Good morning, church. I'm super excited to be here with you today. Shout out to the Desert City Church. Thank you so much, Scott and Danielle Sweeney, for allowing me to share God's word this morning. My name is Stephen Morales. My wife and I, Shannon Morales, have the privilege to lead the Spanish ministry here in the Orange County region. I'm excited to be able to share with you God's word and also the amazing things that he has done, not only in my life, but here in the region. The title of today's lesson is We Who Dream. We Who Dream. First point, catch the dream. Our movement has grown from the 30B disciples in 1979 to a church that has crossed the globe. As a young man in the campus ministry, 18 years ago, I remember catching the dream. The same dream and slogan we would hear preached from the pulpit, plant a church in every nation. And the famous evangelization of this world in our generation. A song that we would sing that is titled, Men Who Dream. A song whose words carry far the anthem of our Lord Jesus Christ. Today, I would like to jump right on in, in the Gospel of Matthew. A theme scripture of mine and one that I know we are all very familiar with. Matthew 28 verse 16. The Bible reads, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. A dream was born. Amen, church? The gospel was shot out to all the nations, creating a force, a community of people, one nation, a church where we are all equal. One father, one son, one body, and the acceptance of one Lord. A dream was born. Ephesians 4, 6 reads, As a prisoner of the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all. Amen? Paul's famous words, a man who had seen his setbacks in prison for the gospel, persecuted for his dream. His passion, his life. Life has its setbacks, does it not, church? Our church during this time has had its setbacks. Maybe you, in your personal dream right at this moment, have had some setbacks. 
Maybe you have lost your job during this epidemic. Or school has become extra challenging to really see the end of the race. The end and the light of the end of the tunnel and graduation. Maybe you have experienced a loss of a loved one during this time. I know for us here in the Orange County region, it's been a challenging time during this pandemic. I've had to give three funerals this past six months. There has been setbacks, even in my life. I've always had this ministry dream. 18 years ago, I knew in my heart that I wanted to be in the ministry. Young, full of vision, but no experience. But I had a dream. I had captured the dream of long ago. Remembering those famous anthems that I once heard. Before I was hired by the church, I remember having a conversation with a brother. And he had told me, Steve, you just are not qualified. Ministry is not for you. It's not, you're not educated enough. You're just not that sharp, bro. You're not someone that I believe doctors and, 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 and professors would follow. I asked the brother, man, what do you think I could do? I really want to learn. I really want to give my heart. And his response to me, was simply, there is nothing you can do. Nothing. That was devastating for me to hear. I remember walking away from that conversation feeling an inch tall with my head down. My insecurities completely inflamed. All the doubts that I have heard throughout the years came rushing back to me at that moment. Thinking, I am just not good enough. Can you relate to that? Maybe during this time of difficulty, these insecurities are rushing into your mind this moment. Or even this morning. But I still had a dream. Fast forward a few years. And I asked to be an intern in the singles ministry. <laughs> the response of the lead evangelists at the time said... Aren't you a single dad with two boys? I said, yeah. Uh, well, you're not quite a person I would say is ideal for that role. Again, a setback. Emotionally struck. Insecurities coming back to assault me one more time. But I still had a dream. I remember speaking with Scott Sweeney one time and asking him, how can someone get into the ministry? 
He said simply this. Start with the Bible talk, bro. A small little group that we have here in our churches where we share God's word, we hang out, we talk, we eat, we build connections and family. Lead a Bible talk, he said. Multiply it and you'll make your way. Take care of it as if it is the church you are leading. So I did. I started leading a singles Bible talk. At the time, I was leading a group of 14 singles. Amen. For all you singles out there. It was an encouraging time, but it was also a challenging time. Because I found myself in a group with 11 women and only 3 men. But amen, I felt like this is the task in front of me. I was fired up for God. I wanted to do my best to try to get into the ministry. I also wanted to do my best to learn how to care for people. <laughs> Two weeks into the group, one of our brothers moved to Denver. And I was just floored. I said, God, I have a small group here, a Bible talk, with me, another brother, and 11 women. This has to be discouraging for my sisters. I said to myself, wow, what am I going to do? God moved powerfully during that time. I believe it's because I had faith. I had a dream. I wanted to do amazing things for God. And that year, by the end of the year, we had multiplied that group to 22 disciples. 11 women. And by the grace of God, we had baptized and restored totaling 11 men. God is good, is he not? We prayed during that time as brothers and sisters, even though it was only two of us. We asked for God to bless our church. We asked God to bless our small group. And we also had a dream. As I said to you before, all things in this life have setbacks. And as we pursue our dreams, we will have setbacks. After that, shortly... The group had split into two because of the number of disciples that were in that group. Through much training of the brothers, we were allowed to be able to have a fruitful Bible talk, even more so. Now we were overseeing two groups. And throughout that year, I was able to meet my amazing wife. As I was so focused in God's plan for his church, as we read in Matthew, all nations were to be baptized. The gospel was to be preached and men and women we're meant to be saved. God had another miraculous plan. As Shannon and I led this, these two groups together, we had created such an awesome friendship. We cared for the brothers and sisters in our group 
we had so much fun creating events, reaching out to the communities, hanging out at restaurants, sharing our faith with waiters. And I knew that she was the one. I knew that she also had a dream. And together, we can work at this dream. We can put our minds together, our efforts together. We can create a life in pursuit of God's dream. The evangelist I had spoke with about being an intern and saying that I wasn't ideal for that position made both Shannon and I interns. And now we were leading the singles ministry. First Peter 1 Three says, praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, through now for a little while you have been made to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which is perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an expressible and glorious joy. I still had a dream. Newly married in a meeting with Bruce and Robin Williams, we were asked to go and visit our Spanish ministry. A ministry at the height of its time that numbered over a hundred and 50 members had unfortunately dwindled down to 40. We visited that ministry and we fell in love. That same love that sent disciples all around the world. In the 80s, we saw that same love in our movement. That same love that pushed disciples to plant churches all around different continents. And we caught hold of that dream. We need brothers and sisters to catch hold of that dream. We are dawning in a new generation. Many that who have come before us are retiring or even have graduated to be with our Heavenly Father. So it is up to us to capture this dream. It is up to us to have the love that overflows from our hearts to make disciples. So we were sent, and I keep on hitting this thing <laughs> behind me. We were sent, and we led this ministry in which my wife, 
barely spoke the language, but she did read and write. And I could barely hold a conversation in Spanish. But we were fired up. We wanted to go and we wanted to make an impact. And so we went. And we started studying this language. We started buying books from Barnes and Nobles. And we were really fired up to see what God can do. And we believed the importance of the Great Commission. That every nation must be saved. The God's words must be preached in every language. And if my wife and I needed to learn a new language, then so be it. So be it. And God truly has done amazing things so far. By the end of that year, our ministry had grown from the dwindling 40 to now 61 disciples in Christ. In one year, we had an explosion of people that wanted to join this ministry through Bible studies, through evangelization of our communities, through reaching out to our families, to having that dream once again in our movement. And God was glorified. God was glorified. Point number two. What it takes. Matthew chapter 16. Let's read. Where Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their very soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in His Father's glory with His angels, and then He will reward each person according to what they have done. What is your great reward, brother, sister? What is your great reward? A great man once told me, and these words will always be with me for the rest of my life. He said, quote, if you don't have a dream, when the going gets tough, you will focus on the worries and sufferings around you and die spiritually. End of quote. He also said, but if you do have a dream, don't lose sight of that dream. And even though the world may give away under you, your dream will sustain you during that time. That was my dear friend and hero of the faith, Kevin Maines. What is your great reward? In Luke chapter 22, we read, You are those who have stood by me in my trials 
and I confer on you a kingdom, just as my father conferred one on me, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones. Judging the 12 tribes of Israel, but Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Amen. We who dream. We who dream. Shannon and I are learning the Spanish language. We are both part-time and on staff here in the Orange County region. But we are still dreaming. We are still trying to see what God has for us. Where will God take us next? That's the exciting thing of being a disciple of Christ. Where is God calling you this morning? We're not sure where God's calling us, but we do know one thing. It's simply this. The Bible says, therefore, go. Therefore, go. Is it the Middle East? Is it desert cities? Is it Rancho Cucamonga? Or is it Riverside? All I know is that the Bible says go. The title of today's sermon is We Who Dream. Matthew chapter 8. The Bible reads, when Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Then a teacher of the law came to him and said, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. Another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. And suddenly a furious storm came upon that lake. And so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. He replied, simply this, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? What is holding you back? What is holding you back? This morning. Jesus reply was. Why are you so afraid? What are you afraid to let go? What is holding you in place? Brothers and sisters. My first Spanish sermon was terrifying. <laughs> oh man. I mean growing up. I remember always being told, you're a disgrace to your people. You can't even speak your own language. Again, these insecurities were assaulting me. I believe Satan wanted to stop God's dream. All these thoughts came, up to me, came back to me as I was walking up to the pulpit. As I stood there in the auditorium about to preach God's word in Spanish, I started to sweat. I was 
terrified. I was looking around across the crowd and I was like, man, I can't believe I'm up here. And the only thing I did was read scripture, brothers. That's all. That was it. <laughs> Very minimal words of my own. I just read the scriptures in the Bible that Sunday. And I sat down. And I thought to myself, man, I blew it. I blew it. <laughs> man. There's no way these families were encouraged by this Sunday. And immediately after, a family who had come to visit for the first time came up to me. And he said to me, if you have enough courage to learn Spanish up there in front of us all, then I should have enough courage to learn English down here. And he shared with me how difficult it was for him to get a job because he struggled with speaking English. He shared with me how difficult it was and how insecure he felt to even go to a church that spoke English and worshiped God because he did not know the language. He thanked me for inspiring him to keep going. Wow, isn't God amazing? In our weaknesses, God still works powerfully. It's a matter of us putting ourselves out there. It's a matter of us dreaming for God. And God sees it. People in our communities see it. What is holding you back? Are you married? Maybe it's time for that awkward conversation that needs to happen between you and your wife. Maybe a fight had happened a few days back and you guys still haven't reconciled and had that conversation that needs to happen. What's holding you back? Maybe you're single and you just broke up with someone you love and you feel insecure and you're asking yourself, what's wrong with me? Maybe you're a student and you didn't picture your last year to end like this and not be able to graduate the way you thought you would. Or maybe you don't see the end of the semester or even know, am I going to ever graduate? What's holding you back? It's these valleys that draw you closer to God. My father-in-law and I, Paul Wallenberg, have this saying. How many steps does it take to the top of Mount Everest? How many steps does it take to the top of Mount Everest? He learned it from a sermon he once heard. I actually have the notes here with me today. The answer is 60,000 steps straight up. The story goes a little bit like this. There was an old man, an old climber that was asked, how did you take those 60,000 steps from base camp straight up? His response 
was one step at a time. It's going to take you 60,000 steps to move forward. It's going to take you 60,000 steps to fix your marriage. It's going to take you 60,000 steps to fix your broken heart. It's going to take you 60,000 steps. But all these steps with one. That's the moral of that story. It's inspiring to me to hear that. To hear that Mount Everest, guys, starts with one step. And you can get to the top of the mountain. Luke chapter 14. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it. For if you lay the foundation or not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able... He will send a delegation while the other is still a long way and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciple. Giving up everything is the calling for those who dream. When I first read this scripture, I thought to myself, wow, that's intense, right? Hate your mother and father? It's not until I learned what a hyperbole is. <laughs> And Jesus was making a point here, and he was exaggerating to make this point. That's what a hyperbole is, is an exaggeration to make a point. He's not literally saying to you, go hate your father and mother. No. But nevertheless, the scripture rings true for every disciple of Christ. In closing, I would like to show a video here that speaks about our movement and the dream of this new generation. A new generation in which me and my wife are a part of. A new generation of churches that expand the globe. And this point is 47. Let's watch the video. As the International Churches of Christ enter a new decade, Kidogo takes a look backward and a look forward at all that God is doing. We have a lot to be thankful for. Ten years ago, we were a movement of 580 churches. Today, we have 700. In 2010, we had 93,000 members. Today, we have 113,000 members. 
and we're in 147 different nations. God is absolutely at work. Unity was on display at our World Summit with our delegates and our 16 mission societies. Love has been on display as we've supported Hope Worldwide and volunteer projects around the world. Faith has been on display as disciples packed up and moved and started 120 new churches on six continents. And courage is on display as young people are entering the ministry in ever-growing numbers. And good news keeps pouring in from everywhere. Very excited to be in Eastern Europe. There's 21 countries there. And uh, we have more than 3,000 brothers and sisters. We're very excited about the Kiev Church, where we just appointed an eldership and a new lead evangelist. This year, the Hong Kong Church crossed the 2,000 membership line, and we are having steady growth. God is giving that. We're excited to see the maturity of the churches also in Taiwan and in uh, greater China area. Tammy and I spent 2019 visiting the churches that we planted two decades ago. We have been strengthening and encouraging them. There's so many faithful disciples so excited to realize they're part of something that is worldwide, that has a vision and is growing. We helped plant the Novosibirsk Church in 1992 with really young Christians. And now that church has grown so well and has become so healthy. In the last five years, they sent an evangelist and women's ministry leader to strengthen the church in St. Petersburg. I've been excited over the summer to really walk with the young single men, sharing our faith a lot, in the last several weeks, it's been great because I've had a whole bunch of new visitors myself after a long time. Some of those are studying the Bible now. We saw 26 students coming from across West Africa and even Central Africa, seeing them coming with such dreams. And to see that uh, we're going to be graduating 16 of those students thereabout, and uh, we're going to be posting them into different ministries, it is very heartwarming. Along with Disciples Today, we will be reporting new church plantings as they take place around the world. We are excited to provide the official counter as the churches in our movement grows from 700 to 1,000 worldwide. Currently, there are 47 countries around the world without an international church of Christ. So Kidogo is also creating a countdown as we send new churches to the remaining countries. Prayerfully, in the next decade, our counter will hit zero. Today, more than ever, we need people to use their gifts, reach out, and impact their communities in all the ways that the church does. We need people to train up in the ministry, form teams and plant churches, or move into churches that need help. We need people who will learn a new language and move anywhere the need arises. We need singles and couples to plant Bible talks in new areas of our cities. We need empty nesters to dream big and reach out in their own nations and beyond. God be the glory. Amen. Amen. Isn't that encouraging? We still have work to do. We still need to dream. I have to say, it's been incredible this morning to be with you. And I hope that you are truly encouraged by this message. My wife, We'll be sharing for communion. And I pray together as a church, as God's church on this earth, that we may start the countdown. 47 countries left. And we together can make it happened. Good morning, Inland Empire. My name is Shannon Morales, and I have the privilege to share with you all a little bit about my story and how Jesus has changed my life. My husband shared a moment ago about dreams and dreaming for our churches, and my story really begins with a dream, the dream that my parents had for me. They became Christians before I was born, and they raised me in a godly household. I went to church all the time, and I genuinely loved it. But on the outside, people would probably think that I was this ideal daughter. But really, I was struggling with a lot of different things. At school, kids picked on me mercilessly made me feel ugly and unwanted and worthless. 
I felt such a deep sense of insecurity. I tried to fill that insecurity, that hole in my heart with um, praise from other people, people pleasing, saying whatever I thought people wanted, being whatever I thought people wanted me to be. I ended up living a life at church, a different life at home, a different life with my friends, a different life at school, a different life with my teachers, trying to be this image of perfection to all these different categories of people. Not only that, but when I was very young, I was introduced to impurity and, and videos of false intimacy. And at night, when everyone else was asleep and I was alone in my room, I would play these videos almost all night long and it, I was addicted to them. And I felt if only I looked like these women, then I would be desirable. If only I was, you know, I thought if only I looked like these women, I would be desirable. Then I would be wanted. Then people would want to have me around. And I started to feel disgusting. I started to feel trapped and I didn't know who I could talk to because I just felt like if I told people who I really was, what I was really struggling with, that people would hate me, that they would not want me around, that they would not want to be my friend. And I got to such a lonely place. There was a time at one of our church services where a woman was sharing her testimony, Ruthie Steinberg. And I listened to her and I, I saw how broken she was about the scriptures and, and her life and, and what God's love meant to her. I looked around the room and I saw so many people who were crying and who were connecting to what she was sharing and reflecting on their own relationship with God and, and how he saved them. And that, that was the first time that I realized that I wasn't crying. I had no connection whatsoever to the scriptures. I treated them like a textbook, just something to gain information from, something to gain a certain status from. But I, it had no impact on my heart whatsoever. It reminds me of this scripture in Mark 7, 6 through 7 that says, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are mere human rules. I didn't know how to reconnect. I didn't know how to have a relationship with God at all. I thought I did, but I had no clue. I went to Ruthie at one of our teen events and I asked her if she could study the Bible with me. And I'm really grateful that God put her in my life along with Libby Rock and Gilma Anderson and these incredible women who showed me how to have a authentic, genuine relationship with God, who demonstrated to me true vulnerability and let their guard all the way down. That was the first time that I felt like, wow, God loves me. I don't, I don't have to be perfect in order for him to love me. I don't have to be a certain way to all these people in order for God to love me. That God sees me for who I am and he loves me for who I am. This scripture really impacted my heart. In Romans chapter 5 verse 6 through 7 that says, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless... Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That really touched my heart. And I decided, no more. I'm so done with this. I want to be a Christian. I want to have a relationship with God. And I was baptized on July 30th, 2006, when I was 15. It was such a victory. All of those years of prayer 
that my parents had submitted before God had finally been answered. And I'll never forget how incredible it was. There's a song that we sing in our church that's called Men Who Dream, and a lot of people love it because it, it fires you up, it inspires you. But the coolest thing about that song to me and why I have a personal connection to it is because the first time they ever sang that song at one of our church conferences, I was a baby. I was almost one years old, and I was in my dad's arms, and he was holding me listening to that song for the first time. And then years later at the um, summit conference in Texas, I was 22 years old standing there with my dad and we were listening to it. Sorry. We were listening to that song together, standing side by side, both of us disciples, both of us in love with God. And it was such an incredible victory to see how God's plans come together and to see how dreams really can come true. And so I am so grateful for everyone who's invested their time into my life. Um, thank you all for praying for me. My journey has been a long one, um, but I am so grateful for what God has done in my life. I love you all so much. Me and my husband are going to pray now for the communion. God, thank you so much uh, just for this time to be here uh, with the Inland Empire. God, I pray, Father, that uh, this service, Father, our communion, Lord, all glorify you, Father, and that we can reflect, God, just how far, how wide your love is, how much you have saved us from, God, and how much you desire from us, God. I love you so much. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.